Well, we're back. So prepared to sports. Who'd have thought it? Another phoenix from the ashes. Here we are. Uh, I'm joined this evening by Ben and Rich. Hello, guys. Hello. Evening. Um, we'll find out why Ben is here and what he's going to tell us about about in terms of go-karting. He's a rising talent and we want to hear what he's been doing, how he's been doing it and uh, what he wants to do in the future. But in time-honoured fashion, we're going to start with highlights. I know it's been a little while since we've done uh, a podcast, so there is a little bit of latitude here. Uh, normally, we'd only go for a week at a time, but we've allowed a little bit longer uh, as it's as it's the first podcast recording back. So, Ben, kick us off. Uh, what were the sporting highlights? Sporting highlight? Yeah, uh, I think mine is the... Um... One from the Formula One two weeks ago. Yeah. Last Sunday, uh, it was uh, Russia, it's Sochi, and um, the race was the qualifying was wet, and Hamilton, of course, he's in a championship fight with Verstappen. Yeah. And uh, Verstappen had an engine penalty, so he had to start at the back no matter what, so he didn't do qualifying. So this is Hamilton's chance to get pole, win the race, and get a gap. So Verstappen, they're allowed two engines, is it? Three, I Three, think. okay. And if you go anything over three, you have to get a new one, yeah. and then you have to take a grid penalty. Yeah. So he had to take the grid penalty, and then, so he had to start at the back, so this meant this was really Hamilton's chance to get pole and win the race. Then in qualifying, it was really heavy rain, and Hamilton, who's usually good at it, made a few mistakes. So he, when he came into the pits to get new tyres after his first run, he slid, crashed into the wall on the pit entry, <laughs> lost his front wing, so right. his team had to replace his front wing, and then because while they were replacing the front wing, the tyres they had to put on his car were um, went cold, yeah. and then when he went out to do his qualifying lap, he spun out, didn't get pole, so I think he only qualified fourth, so then that meant that Lando Norris, Sainz, Carlos Sainz, were both on the front row, both like never won a race before, so it was really interesting coming out for the race. And Lewis is, is pretty good like that, isn't he? He won't blame anyone over the radio or anything like that. Not often, mind. <laughs> 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 I'm sure the pit crew loved that, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, so then it was really interesting for the start of the race. The start of the race, Hamilton um, tried to go down the inside of two two cars, Norris and Sainz, and he got pinched by uh, Norris, so then he lost, went down something like P7. So by the time he was down by P7, everyone was thinking, well, Hamilton's on the way to get anything out of this race. Yeah. And then uh, Norris, like midway through the race, overtook Sainz for the lead and looked like he was going to win the race for his first race win. So he was, everyone was like, Norris, first race win. And then Hamilton started making his way up through the field, uh, just car by car, because he was doing uh, different strategies to some of the other cars who were doing two pit stops. He was only doing one. Right. So then he started making his way up the field. He was five seconds behind, got second. And then he, he was, I think, six laps to go, and he got near the back of Norris, but Norris had the pace to hold him off. And then there was light rain started coming in, and then the drivers had to decide whether to go to wets or to dries. Or to even, dries. even that late in the race, it would make a difference, yeah. would it? Yeah. So right. it, started, it was only light rain, so McLaren were asking Norris, what do you think about changing tyres? And he was like, no, it's too, um, it's too dry to change to inter intermediate tyres. So then um, they obviously weren't looking at the rev forecast because then in two laps time Mercedes already told Hamilton the rain is going to be awful so Hamilton came into the pits even though he didn't think it was right he came into the pits changed his tyres and Norris decided to stay out and then eventually it started raining so much Norris literally couldn't control his car and Hamilton in two laps came from 35 seconds behind to then just overtake him because Norris just kept spinning out and into the walls so that was like half the grid 
stayed on the dries and the other half just overtook all of them. And right. Then, yeah. So that was that was probably and then Hamilton of course went on to win the race, which no one was expecting, and then that was his um hundredth win in Formula One, which is like the first person ever to do that. Amazing. Yeah. It it how good do you think he is? Because mm. obviously he is in the best car, isn't he? Uh, this year, I'd say he's probably equal best car with Max Verstappen. Yeah. And I would say Verstappen has driven better than him this year. Even though he's not leading the championship, of course, Verstappen has been crashed into by yeah. Hamilton's teammate. He's got crashed into by Hamilton at Silverstone. And then Hamilton, of course, still went on to win the race. And it was his fault at Italy when he crashed. But that took both Hamilton and himself out. So, yeah, Verstappen's probably been the better driver. And, of course, he's had grid penalties. So he's... I would say he's probably been the better driver, but he's not leading the championship. But over time, I probably think Hamilton is the best driver of all time because he's won his championships. He's I think he's won a race in every single year he's been in Formula One. Yeah. And apart from in the turbo hybrid, say from 2014, he probably hasn't had the best car. And he's won still seven more championships as the equal best of Michael Schumacher. I was going to say, is he tied now? Yeah. yeah. And then if he wins this one, it'll be eight. And then he's got... Um, a hundred wins compared to like I think, um, Schumacher has ninety one and Senna has like and Vettel's got like fifty one or fifty three, so um yeah so that's a big difference there and he's had like by far the most pole positions and stuff so to be able to do that you have to be good don't you so I think you probably yeah I think you do you can't yeah. really compare them because they're different eras yeah and maybe if Senna lived longer you never know but I think Hamilton probably is the best yeah ever. Do you think he's not so popular though, isn't it? I was just going to say, do you think he, he gets the credit he deserves then? Well, what usually happens is Sebastian Vettel won the championship four years in a row. Everyone thought he was going to beat Michael Schumacher's records. And yeah. Of course he didn't because going to Ferrari didn't work out. But at that time, so 2010, 2011, 2013 and 2012, he, um, everyone hated him. Everyone hated him. No one liked him because he was winning everything. Mm. And then now he's probably the most, what well, I would say, apart from... A few drivers, I'd say he's up there with the most popular drivers on the grid that everyone loves. So I feel like in the future, people will appreciate Hamilton more than they do now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair comment. Absolutely. Well, yeah. what a fantastic explanation. That is a brilliant highlight. Brilliant. What about yourself, Rich? I don't think mine's going to be quite as detailed as that, well, too. No. But I did, I did think about the highlights. Yeah. I was... I, I thought about maybe Ronaldo's goal against Villarreal last week. That was quite exciting. Yeah. And there's been some positive talks from the ECB and the Australian Cricket Board about the Ashes, but I'm not allowed to talk about that. No, so you're not. I dis- I discounted that. I worked on the basis that you have been on before, Rich, and you do listen to the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. However, for any new listeners out there, maybe I should have reiterated with the only rule that we do have. <laughs> on the uh, Sofa Bear Does Sports podcast is no cricket. No cricket. So I've dis- I discounted that. So as, as Ben's on as a motorsport theme, I picked, um, so I sent you the, uh, the, yeah. the YouTube footage of earlier, was the most, there was a crash in the Moto3 at the Circuit Americas, which was on Sunday, which Ben and I were, was watch- we were watching it live, weren't we, at the time. And it was horrific, wasn't it? Yeah. I think you ran out the room with um covering you, with your yeah. hands covering your face. Didn't yeah. You ran out the room, and it just looked like it. It was amazing that nobody died, wasn't it? Yeah. I and mean, the people who've seen the footage, yeah, and two bikes actually took off, and they think they were doing between 140 and 160 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I know there is there is 
various dangerous sports, obviously, around the world um, in various guises, you know, jump jockeys, etc. You know, all these different types of sports. But if you are mo any moto GP type sport and you've only got the first thing that's going to hit the deck is your head or a leg mm. or an arm, um, you've not got a lot of protection of you. You've got no halo like a Grand Prix car or anything like that. And to think that those guys, if you haven't seen it, um, listeners, have a look at the tweet I sent out with the link. Um, it is, as as Rich said, it is pretty scary Horrific. stuff. Mm. A, but I think it's like a testament to the safety in the sport these days. I mean, even Formula One when Senna was around yeah. in the early 90s. And, and there, was a guy, there was a guy that died in practice, wasn't there as well? Um, um, well, uh, Ratzenberg, Ratzenberg, was it? Yeah. Um, and in general, in MotoGP, you, you do get deaths, obviously, but they're they're pretty infrequent yeah, now, aren't I they? I think that the MotoGP, um, motorbikes in general, are much more dangerous. But it tends to be weirdly in the slower classes, which would be you think would be unusual. But the faster bikes struggle with because they're so fast and the tires go under so much stress. If they follow another bike, the tires get hot, so right. they can't. Whereas in the, the lower, like, 125cc classes, they're all, like, 30 of them right next to each other. Right. So then if someone goes down, then yeah. someone gets hit by a bike. A MotoGP rider, Maverick Vinales, his cousin, got killed, like, a week ago in a crash like that. So that's why it's on the Moto3, usually, yeah. stuff like that. So the gaps aren't as big. Mm -hmm. So you get a much more packed field. Yeah, a bit like normal cycling Tour de France or something like that. Like that yeah. if, you know, the someone in the peloton goes... And, and they just literally bring everyone else down because they're so closely packed. But the, safe, the safety's come on massively. There's, you know, when we used to watch um, racing back in the nine, even back nineties, which you know, if you're in the fifties, don't seem that long ago. But to Ben, <laughs> we weren't even around then. But if you looked at it then, the runoffs were just grass. So if obviously yeah. if it's down, out on the bale of hay, you go straight into the bale of hay exactly. Whereas now yeah. they've got gravel traps, which slows you down as you yeah. go through. And I think they learn how to fall if you watch them. They, they learn how to fall. Um, they've got airbags in their leathers now, so as soon as any impact, that blows up to, pr to protect them around the back. So I think that's a testament to the sport that they've that they've made made it a lot safer. You don't get so many fatalities now. Yeah. You know, and if you watch um, Neymar in the Champions League and you see him go down at the slightest <laughs> touch, rolling around, you know, on that footage, what's amazing as well is not not just the fact they walked away; is no one even seemed to be limping, <laughs> did they? They just got up, they were shaking hands because there's a lot of respect. I think in that sort of sport as well, you have to have, you know, if you're a top top man and you're against somebody who's near the back, you've got to have utter faith in what he's doing yeah. because if he loses it, he takes you with him. Yeah. So you've got to have, and, and you see the gap they have, you know, sometimes they're what, literally inches apart. So any mistakes as proved by this can be fatal. So and, it was amazing. And at that level, is a, is the skill gap bigger? You know, so, so, you know, I know there are differences in GP and, mm. and the top boys, but could you have more of a gap in terms of skill levels? That I think you're doing that Moto three, don't you? Because yeah. it's, it's more of the younger. I know you've got to get your license and, the, yeah, and things like that. It's more and, the younger riders, yeah. Because of the guy who's leading the championship, who, who went down the barrier at the side, he's at what seventeen, sixteen, sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they're just starting out. So yeah, that, that almost make it, it. It's still grim, everywhere, but because they're so young, you just think it's. It's just such a risk, isn't it? But yeah. but so you don't get many, and it was but it was it was pretty horrific. So we were quite relieved, weren't we? When the, you know, but the thing is, these guys they'll they'll be doing it again next week. Yeah, doing exactly the yeah. same thing. Hardcore. 
They are proper hardcore, yeah. 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 They, so they don't roll around like... Uh, <laughs> so you watch Neymar and you just yeah. can't believe it. And you think there's a sniper, there's the day of the jackal in Paris, <laughs> and something's been taken out. Exactly. The thing is with that crash, though, is that it was really lucky. It was nothing to do with safety that saved any of them, really. It was lucky because when the first rider went down, after he got swiped, he went down with the bike like on the side of the riders coming to him if he was on the side of the riders coming at him the riders would have hit him not his bike yeah, so then true. they would have hit him and he would have definitely died because that's what that's what most of them are yeah. the fatalities are not from people sliding into the barriers they're usually either people getting hit by their own bike or someone else's so if, if that wasn't that I think someone maybe yeah, the two people would have died yeah well you know you sometimes it's your time in those yeah. in those sorts of uh, sports isn't it well, um, I had a few choices. I, I was thinking about um, what's been going on recently, and there's been a few, a, a few sort of world events. Um, obviously, Joshua uh, lost fairly recently. Um, not necessarily a great highlight, but an interesting fight to see how he could or couldn't cope with effectively a jumped-up cruiserweight. Um, London Marathon at the weekend. Um, always amazes me the the size and shape of some of the people willing to run for. Probably for them, five, six, seven hours yeah. to run 26 miles. Um, so I take my hat off to them. Uh, rugby, Premiership rugby's looked very different this year. It's been a bit of a tri-fest. Um, it won stage the two best teams after two games from last year. <laughs> Bristol and Exeter were bottom. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, could be could be an interesting rugby season. Um, obviously, we've had the Olympics. So, depending on your point of view, was it enjoyable? Was there a time difference that created a problem? Um, interestingly, the UK couldn't take the more high ground because, obviously, uh, one of the sprinter sprinters in the relay um, has failed two drug tests. So, uh, yeah, that, that'll be interesting how the uh, British press play that one out. But, um, unsurprisingly, I've gone for Emma and uh, her winning the US Open. Uh, absolutely amazing. I know we we sort of um, got in contact with each other while yeah. we were watching it. And very interesting that um, the government got involved as well to make sure it was on free to yeah. free to air terrestrial telly. Um, so I think they they realised what an event it was, um, and obviously wanted to get some traction with it. If I'm honest, I think it's probably the best female tennis match I've ever watched. It's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do to to develop tennis, but um, with that sort of popularity and so many people watching. But if I'm honest, you're not going to see that for the next four, five, six years. You know, that's from now. If if eight year olds pick up a tennis racket now, um, we'll see what um, what the Lawn Tennis Association can do to cock it up again. Because no matter what they seem to do when they get an Andy Murray or a or someone that they can, you know, pin their uh, colours to the mast on. The amount of money that they've got, somehow they just get it wrong. Um, but hey, you know, let, let's fingers crossed. That Emma can inspire a new generation of of players, be they, be they male or female. But as I said, in in terms of a, a female tennis match, hard hitting, hitting the lines. Um, I think she maybe needs to work on her smash. She's got a bit of an odd ball toss. Mm. But instead of chasing the ball, she actually just lets it drop. So she won't chase a bad ball toss. So maybe that's a good thing. But it just seems to accentuate 
it even more. Half a dozen times, wasn't yeah. it, she did it. Um, and it's a very odd thing that, um, obviously, she did win at Wimbledon and then sacked her coach and then won the US Open and then sacked her coach. Um, one of which was Andy, Mother, yeah. <laughs> Andy Murray's father-in-law. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But um be interesting if her, uh, if her family, especially her dad, is taking a bit of uh, too much interest there. Um, obviously, she's a very talented young player and obviously very clever that she can she can do that whilst just finishing her A-levels. So, um, and tennis must be licking their lips, must it? Because her reach goes quite a long way, doesn't it? So yeah. she could bring a lot of people into the game. So Yeah, and, you know, um, make no bones, a marketing man's dream, isn't she? Absolutely. So, um, you know, people people are, are have to tread carefully, but they couldn't have asked for a better a better role model for for uh, the next generation. So some some uh, petrol head sort of uh, highlights there, and uh, and obviously some sophistication from from my good self. <laughs> Not that obviously Ben and Rich have, have ever ever gone near a. Um, an oily rag in their life. No, look at these hands. <laughs> the only man who's got softer hands than me. Definitely. There's no oil under these fingernails. Uh, um, so, Ben, um, as I alluded to earlier, you're, you're a bit of a, a star go-karter um, and have been go-karting for probably five, six years now? Yeah, yeah I'd say, yeah. Yeah? So, in, in terms of our listeners... Um, their their go karting knowledge might extend to the odd stag do, or something that they've seen on the Wii with Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> just just in very basic terms, just explain what a go kart race is and the sort of go kart sizes that you start off in and have progressed to. Yeah, well, generally, most people with the money that we have, so like that don't have thousands and thousands to spend, will just go to like the standard place that have standard not too fast. Then they're not, they'll probably only do 50 something, and they're, they're like rental carts, is what they're called. Yeah. Um, so they're not like owner carts because owner carts are thousands of pounds. And then what you do is you just get loads of people turn up to a track, usually just people from I don't know, area, I'd say. Around, like, within fifty miles of the area. Yeah, there's someone from Biddeford, isn't there? Yeah. That comes up every week. Oh, okay. so it does, but yeah, you're right. Mostly sort of Swindon, Cheltenham, yeah. Bath, yeah, that sort of Bristol. So obviously. when you when you started, then this would have been again in carts against boys and girls of your same age um, or height or weight. How how, how do you start? Yeah, well, you started I, first, though, didn't you, in indoor yeah, before you yeah. progressed to that? Well, to start sports. with, I just went to... the Because I'd always been liking motorsports, so I'd always been wanting to do something like that. And then I went to a birthday party when I was about, I'd say, eight. Yeah. And I was rubbish at it, but I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to go again and again. And this was at a place in Avonmouth. Yeah. And I just would go for fun, and like, I don't know, once every couple of months and just go and then eventually this place two minutes down the road opened and then I started going there more often and more often and I got quite good at it and then I did an academy where someone called um, Ben Winter who does uh, quite a lot of karting uh, taught me all the basics how to improve me how to drive a lot and then there was like a big race at the end between everyone that had done the academy and that was I won that race fantastic yeah and then um after that, I moved on to doing, at that place, they do a lot of championships. 
With so what people. sort of age are you now then? I would say I was probably 11. 11? Yeah, 11. Okay. And there's usually people that were between 8 and 13 that would come to these championship races and race. So I um, just kept practicing there, I'd say, every couple of weeks. And then um, and then we there was this, there was like race events that would just come up, like a social event or like a um, just a normal race. So there was one where there would you race one race with qualifying normally, and then the results of that race would then be reversed, and then you right. do the race on the reverse. So if you've won the race, then presumably yeah. you start at the back yeah. of the grid. And, and, and how many are in a race? I'd say sometimes about eight or ten. Was it? Yeah, sometimes even twelve. So yeah, they were they were the best fun because then if you win the first race, you actually get to have good fun trying to get through everyone. Yeah, yeah. So I think I won a couple of those from reverse back at the back, and then um, they made this. This is when I was about twelve. I would say they made a full like five round championship called the Winter Series, and I won every single race in that, and then won the championship. And then about a year later, they made this one called the Formula Cadet Championship, still at this place down the road. So it's yeah. still indoor karting. Yeah. With people around my age, I'd say I was... Uh, I think it was just under a year, so I was still probably about But 12. the Formula Cadet was more interesting because you had yeah. to have tactics, didn't you? Because yeah. you had to do a pit stop, yeah. didn't you? It was compulsory. Yeah. So at this point then, how, how how long does a lap last then? And, and how long? Depends if he's doing it or I'm doing yes. it. Yes. <laughs> well, no, at that time... Assuming that you stayed on the track. <laughs> At that time, I wasn't 14 yet, so I had to drive the junior carts. Right. So I'd say the lap record for adults, which it involved really fast people, like yeah. really good adults from quite like, sometimes across the country, because people just come to place just to break yeah. that record. I would say it was like, I think it was on the 1,000 meter track, it was 49 seconds. Right. And okay. on the 800 meter track, it was like 30, no, 29, I think. And then I was doing... 32 on the 800 meters and I think I could do 51 on the 1,000. And they were on average two seconds slower than the yeah. adult ones. So that's it was, I was around that sort of pace. That's brilliant. But to put that into context, when I did it, and he lapped me three times, uh, it took me, I think I only broke 60 seconds once. So he was doing it in 51. Yeah. So That's like, amazing. So then I thought I'll try and stay on the back of him to learn the lines, but I only kept with him for two corners and then he disappeared. So that no, was futile. You don't have to be modest, Ben, but at what point does skill outdo the fact that you're however many stone lighter? You know, where's the balance then in a race when you're competing against people of your own age? Well, when I got when I was at this point about to do this Formula Cadet Championship, I would say most people were 10, 11, and yeah. I was around 12, and there was a couple okay. of 13-year-olds. Yeah. So I'd say I was about in the middle weight-wise, and in these carts, this meant a lot because they had this such little power. It was all about keeping momentum. Yeah. But then, of course, when you're older, you have more experience. So in this championship, it tended to level out quite a bit more. So um, I think I won five out of the six races in this championship. Okay. And they got the rear tyre of my cart as a trophy. <laughs> and then... Um, I think you find un- Uncle Jace has probably had that a few times, isn't it? <laughs> on Gloucester Road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With his car crashes. He's not got winners on a plinth, though, is no, he? No, He's <laughs> certainly not a winner, is he? Um, so, yeah, in that, when it was at that point, it didn't really make too much of a difference. And then when I started, then some of the newer kids started coming in, we were still about 11, and I got to about 13, and then I was getting too heavy. And some right. of the little kids were just getting too Oh, fast. okay. 
because so then I waited until I was 14 to move to the adult carts and this was at, down this place and uh, when I got to the adult carts I found out I was actually a bit too light for these big ones right because firstly the seat was too big for me even with a seat in another seat inside of it I was just too big and I was too too light for the carts so they would just bounce around and I couldn't yeah, basically keep, but you couldn't keep, could on the, keep it on the yeah. track so I needed to gain some weight really to properly yeah. put those like at what I could probably do if I was the right weight. I tell you what, you you want to spend a weekend with me? <laughs> you'd have you'd have no pre no problem keeping that car. Few tubes uh... of Pringles, <laughs> you'd be second lap faster. But yeah, I think just just I think when I was how long when did I think I started Kaskuma? I was thirteen. Thirteen, yeah. Yeah. So when I was thirteen, um, I went to this place in um, Chippenham called Kasakum and they have a car out this outdoors karting yeah. track and this is when I was racing age juniors they were all around my age I would say so, so what cc are the carts at this I'm stage not, I'm not sure but I think they'll do the ones at the indoor place will do 55 and these will do about 45 okay the outdoor track right and then uh yeah so we um I started racing there and it was just juniors and there was like quite a lot of people that were like this is like a, a step up yeah. in competition. So there was people from... They like, take it all a bit bit more seriously, I would imagine. Yeah, and there was yeah. people that were really, really, really good and that were really taking this properly, seriously. And, and they come down as well, yeah. haven't they? Some of them had run out of money of, of do, having their own carts and right. couldn't afford it because it is a money pit. So they dropped down to this and they yeah. were... Well, so now you're competing against adults? Uh, no, this is still kids. Still kids? But okay. there was some, someone when I joined that was 14... Went, so they were about to move to the adults when I joined, and now they're racing um, those Citroen Saxos all the way around the country and okay. different tracks. There's some people that are racing in like the the full British Owner Kart Championship, which is like probably the highest level of ownership karting you can do. Um, so yeah, it was really competitive. And in my first season, I wasn't, I'd never raced outside before. I've always been inside, so it was a bit of a new experience. And I think, and also in the wet, you they didn't give you wet tires; you had to drive on slicks. Oh, okay. So that obviously also took learning. So I think I finished in my first championship, I think I was like 12 out of like 39, 40. Um, and then the next season I was like, I'd say eighth. And that, that season was where I got my first podium. And then that gave me a bit of confidence. And then the season after that was where I really started improving. I won the first race of the year. And then I think I got um, a podium in every other race and came second in the championship. So then again, that was another big improvement. And so what, then, what do you think you improved on then? Was it lines? Is it getting used to the car? Adding a bit of weight, bit of everything? I would say it was probably, first of all, just more experience. Yep. And I wouldn't say it was necessarily just my... I did improve my speed a little bit, but I'd say it was a lot more my racecraft and knowing what yep. to do in certain situations. Um, but yeah, so then when it came to the next season, I was really ready to try and win the championship. And I, um, I think I won the first round and one more round, and I got a, I was consistent and got a podium in every other race, and I won the championship by a few points. So that was brilliant. But then now I was starting to get to the older end of the field, yeah. So that when it was dry, I had quite a big disadvantage to some of the people that were twelve odd. So in the dry, and then I started losing out a little bit. So in the championship, they finished I don't know July this year. Um, I think I came third. But um, realistically, I, w I was in the championship fight, 
I was in, in front of all my championship rivals in the final round going into the first corner and then someone crashed into me. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, that's what happens, I suppose. So that that was that in the juniors because in the dry, I was just could not keep up with them down the street. Right. So then I went to the adults, which my first round was in end of August. And um, this is now racing against people from quite a further range, like Wales, yeah. um, further up and further south. And um, I think Castle Coombe has got that catchment, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. of the motorway. So, you know, yeah. you are going to get a lot of people who, who it's easy to get yeah. to. And, mm-hmm. and if it's a decent track, presumably it is, it, you know, one of the better ones it's in the region. It's quite small, isn't it? Yeah, it is quite small, but it's, it's good fun. So it's yeah. 350 metres, I yeah. think. So smaller oh, than wow. indoor oh, track. Oh, OK, then. Which you'd think, because it's Castle Coombe, it would be... Yeah. But it's not really. It's quite small, isn't it? But maybe that you can't get away so much then, so I guess it makes tighter, it tighter racing. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this person who I knew back when I first started called Sam Slater. And uh, he was uh, a guy that also really helped me when I first started out. And then he, since then, he'd been racing at the World Rental Karting Championships and the British Rental Karting Championships. Then he ended up winning the British Indoor Karting Championship out of thousands of people. And then he always has raced here at Castle Coombe in the adults. So um, I got... Because I knew him quite well, so we got race. I got race against him and lots of other people who are near his caliber, and um, yeah. So in in the wet, because of course you're on slicks, you need to have good weight to keep the slicks on the floor to try and get yeah. traction on your car to force the water out. Isn't it? Yeah, and to try and get your tires as much contact patch. So then, yeah. in, so in the wet, I can't take the same lines as them because I need to make sure my car is completely straight and things. So in the wet, I have a huge disadvantage on them. But then in the dry, I have a huge advantage on them because, of course, I gain speed on the straights yeah. and ex- corner exits. So that's what kind of balances out in the um, adults. So, it, of course, really, it just depends how many wet and how many dry rounds there are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the first round, I think I qualified, like, seventh, I reckon, out of 40 summer or mm-hmm. 38. And... Um, uh, there's a big pile up at the top corner and unfortunately I got caught up in it. I think I finished seventh. Seventh still, yeah. yeah. Not bad. Yeah. And the next race it was dry. <clears throat> but the way this works is the people because when I started this adult championship, the um the uh, I'd already missed three rounds because I wasn't fifteen yet for those three rounds. So what they do for the heats, which is so to qualify, you do four races starting in four positions, one at uh one at the front, two in the middle, one at the back. And um, what, however many points you gain from those heats, which is out of six people, is where you qualify for the main race. And what they do with the um, top people in the championship is they separate them for the heats. They never go against each other in the right. heats. And because I was like 36th in the championships, so I hadn't done a race or something like that, maybe even 40-something. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was going against them in my heats. So say I was at the back and they were at the front, I had no <laughs> way of winning the heat. So I think I only managed to get like... Um, I think I called it like eighth in the end, um, and then I got through to um, I think it was fifth place. But then because this adult karting is so much more aggressive, and I yeah. ended up getting shown the barrier by someone. I, I was just going to say, um, you know, once you move from whether there are racers in the juniors, but presumably there are in once you move to to racing against adults, you know, the lines become different the racing lines and, yeah. and they're less willing and presumably break later and things like that so mm. um as you said on a on a tight track presumably it, it gets far more bunched and less willing to to let someone go by 
there's a lot, a lot of room yeah. is there and there's more people in so, there's more people yeah in so like room. over if it, if it was done by a qualifying session I'd probably put it on pole most times but it's not because you need to be able to be good at racing to be yeah. able to start first yeah. so I need to improve on that and then see what I can do in the next coming rounds but it's it's difficult when you're racing against all of these um old, a lot older people who have yeah. a lot more experience and I think the like next youngest person is like 17 18 so then obviously you are people obviously are a little bit they feel like it's going to be easier to overtake you because yes. you're yeah, yeah. Because you're younger. And, you know, for, it sounds like you've got a couple of guys there that are willing to put some time and effort and, and mentor you. So, um, you know, like a lot of people in sport, they say, well, you've got to learn, you learn the hard way mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of, of people giving you a nudge. I'm not sure what it's called officially, but um, just giving you a, you know, bit of a bump and all the rest of it. I mean, how many accidents have you had or been involved in um i, I think i've broken my rib once uh, right. you see it there yeah. right um it's because lucky it's radio folks <laughs> in in the um in the carts when i was at this height the seat was just on my rib yeah and it was wet i'd been pushed in the back spun round in the straight and someone's hit me in the side so then my body's gone like gone sideways on onto the seat and it's just the seat should dig just, straight into yeah. my ribs yeah yeah so that that's that's one i've had a few where i've got me um pedals um stuck on like my pedal went straight into my ankle a few times but it's not nothing like this being too bad a few people have got stuck under a barrier before mm. but yeah but nothing, nothing. As, as a parent rich how do you feel because i mean obviously you've got a bike yourself and, yeah. and you've ridden a bike most of your adult life um how do you feel about you know watching your son go karting and mixing it in with with some guys that maybe don't want to let him pass no well they, he certainly got a name for himself after the first race didn't he? after the first few is this bloke is this kitty so i don't, I don't think i worry too much at castle coon because as ben said the, the carts only do I know 40, 45 is fast enough. Yeah, when you've but, got your backside in six inches off the floor. But, but it's, it's not doing 40, 45 for most of the lap, is it? There's only one real straight that you can you can gun it on. And on the whole, um, because you can't get so many, it, it's not it's not too bad. It's more frustrating, really. Yeah. I think Ben plays positions on purpose that are more stressful. He used to play in goal, which I've done, and that is stressful because you know if you cock up, <laughs> everyone's going to know about it. I think I think it's more frustrating, like like he said, when he's up in fifth position, he's going well, and then it's not his fault, and somebody takes yeah. you out. If if you spin, it's your own fault. So I think that's the, it's more frustrating, really, because you're you can hardly watch most of the time, especially yeah. if he's leading in the wet. You just think, please don't spin, or yeah. And you know, sometimes people go for a silly move and take him out, and it's frustrating. Then, like you know, when when you were defending the championship, wasn't it? You got taken out, and it's all finished, which is unfortunate. So it's it's pretty stressful, I have to say. But uh, but that's sport, isn't it? You know, it we've, sport in we've, general. You know, you, you can see it in the Grand Prix drivers, the MotoGP, whoever. Just that, you know, the difference of the tire being on a on a wet bit of track or a dry bit mm. of track, or one of the tires being on a wet bit of track and the other three not, um, and and cars react, you know, in in a in a crazy way, don't they? In its split second timing, whether you can save it or not save it, or or whether you get away with it. But any sport in general, is the, the yeah. further you move up the levels, the finer the margins yeah. get, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And you know, once you get elite level, then the margins yeah. like, are even what smaller, What I've noticed is if I, now if I leave, 
in that junior, I'd get away with leaving the tiniest gap on the inside, and no one would go for it. If I leave the tiniest gap on the inside, now I have someone cramming it down yeah. the inside. Yeah. Um, but it's also in the wet, you have to be so precise because it takes quite a lot more skill in these carts to drive. Because, of course, in with owner carts, they will just pay for their own wet tyres in their own huge camper van and stuff, yeah. which not very many people can afford. And then you just go around racing on wet tyres, which is easy. You get grip. Whereas you, you had to learn the whole thing of learning to drive a cart with slicks on wet, which is like driving on ice. Yeah, there's a technique that you have to learn and one mistake on your steering, the way you go in, because you actually have to brake with the steering. Because if you hit the brakes, the rear tires will just lock and you spin right. straight away. Okay. You have to yank the steering to full lock loads of times. So then when the tires turn, they don't actually turn the car because there's such little grip. But because they're sideways, they just drag along the floor yeah. and slow you down. Yeah. Then you have to make sure the cart's straight before you go go off, otherwise you'll spin. So that's why I all had to learn. So on my first wet race, I was spinning everywhere because I just didn't know what to do. So yeah. it took a lot, a lot more time to learn it. But then with owner carts, I've driven one once uh, for an, as an experience. I, I should have another one for winning my um, championship, but we haven't heard back about that. Yeah. But um, it was so much different. They had so much more grip. Yeah. It was it was such good fun and those would do like 80 mile an hour and they had proper curbs on the track it was like a proper like like two kilometer long curb like a proper like not f1 looking track but like it was like that sort of style not like a tire barrier so track. is that a name then is that a name to to move into that sort of my aim i say level? because now i'm quite old to get because driving these cars compared to driving those it would take a lot to get to a high level in there so my aim is to race in the uh, British Rental Karting Championship, where which is people from all over Europe come to Milton Keynes. And then I want to race also in the World Rental Karting Championship, which is in Portugal. And usually the fastest people at rental karting, this is what Sam Slater, who is the British champion yeah. right now, um, who is actually helping me a lot with my driving, telling me what to do. He said um, the fastest drivers are from Poland, Belgium and Netherlands. He said the the world championships are just so fast. Oh, right, okay. But yeah, that's that's what I want to try and do. That's the aim. Yeah, because that's what I'm. That's what I've been doing for five years, so I don't want to switch. No. And also, it's if you want to get to a high level, it's six figures a year in ownership carding. So that's a bit. Yeah. Good well, bucks. And, and mm. your dad sold his one of his kidneys for that for that motorbike that he got a couple of months ago. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you might have to money well you spent. Might, yeah, yeah, money well absolutely, spent. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's brilliant. Well, thanks for that, Ben. That was a fantastic overview of of karting and and your career so far. Yeah. So you know, fingers crossed. We'll we'll see and we'll be looking to yeah. to keep up to date on your progress and yeah. and where things are going obviously i'll catch up with your dad and um but if nothing else then you can say that you had your first interview on our podcast when you well, become rich and famous and <laughs> draped around the podiums on f1s or motor gps wherever it might lead what's depressing is he's actually won more he's got more cups by the time he was 12 and a half than I won in 50 years, Stu, which is, which is slightly depressing. Even if you're proud of the fact that he's won those, it is a bit depressing. It was, one of, one, two or three. it was one of my questions. How many medals and trophies have you won? And has your dad been able to uh, uh, increase the size of his huge trophy cabinet? 
think, I think I've got 40 medals and something along the lines of near 50 trophies, I think. That's brilliant. If you include the big rear tyre as a trophy. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fingers crossed. We hope it all, all moves forward and progresses um, at, uh, at a nice rate. You don't want to go too fast, you know, yeah. learn, learn yeah. the trade and, yeah. and learn from... Um, it sounds you've got sounds like you've got a couple of mentors that are willing to spend yeah, a bit of time and effort. Sam, and, yeah. and he has got the advantage of the, the championship sport in gene as well, hasn't he? Of course. So, so whilst I only won two or three things, the potential was always there and it's being realised now. I think <laughs> yeah. that's what, we have, what we've overlooked here. I'd suggest maybe get your mum to do the marketing for you. <laughs> 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 Um, but in time-wandered fashion, we're moving on to the uh, the final segment of the show. Um, I'm sure Ben's never heard it before, um, so we'll just explain. It's the oars. So these are for Ben. Um, you'll get a bit of choice, but fundamentally, you'll have to make a choice, and you're usually wrong, um, because the judge's decision is final. So, um, and I'm sure probably you'll correct me on some of this. So, drift... Or straight line speed. What, what would I rather? Yeah. Uh, what or what do I find more impressive? Yeah. Drifting. I yeah. love drifting. Yeah. Yeah. Little Impressu or whatever the Japanese motors um, are. And, Subaru BRZ. Yeah. Nissan Skyline R33. Toyota Supermark Four. Yeah. Down down an Asda car park <laughs> late at night. <laughs> <laughs> They're open 24 hours, you can't do that yeah. sort of thing now. <laughs> You've three hours up into the supermarket in some Three time. hours to park up. Okay then, so drift then. Yeah, definitely. So 100%. what's the fastest you've achieved then, do you think, in straight line speed? Well, in a car. It, well, in a, <laughs> hopefully not in a car. <laughs> in, 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 in a car. In a car, it was when I went in a NASCAR, I think it was 170. All right, okay. Yeah, and in a car, it was 80. In a car, yeah. <laughs> And that was the that was the, the suit up in the cart one. Yeah. Okay, that's impressive. Obviously, Rich, we can't ask you that question. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried what he was going to say. Actually, yeah. as this is going out, I was a bit worried about the answer. So that's a good answer, Ben. Nicely done. Ducati or Yamaha? Ducati. Mm, very quick. Why is that then? Well, the the firstly naked bike for Yamaha is awful. The front of it looks awful. It's MT and nine compared to my dad's monster. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there's no question, is there? And then the R one M, like if you just look at pictures, you see, if you look up a Panigale um V four R compared to a Yamaha M um R one M and then you just see why. Yeah. Yep, listeners, that was just a blur of numbers and letters <laughs> to me as well. Um but apparently the answer was Ducati. <laughs> uh right, this one I might have a bit of a shot at. Rossi or Lorenzo? Now I didn't think oh, this might be a little bit of a tighter you decision. See, but this is this is difficult for me, isn't it? Because of course Lorenzo is my childhood hero. Yeah. And I've got a picture with him. Yeah, I know. I've got loads of T-shirts of him. But Rossi's Rossi. On my wall. Rossi's Rossi. But well, I'll say what I'll say. What I'll say. Yeah. Is Rossi's career is better. Yeah. But from 2010 to 2016, Lorenzo was a better rider. But okay. overall, Rossi's career is better. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Oh, splinters. So splinters. Uh, it is. Yeah. That, that was a bit sitting on the wall. So make, <laughs> pin your colours to a mask. Come on, Rossi Lorenzo. Lorenzo. 
Oh! <laughs> <laughs> right, okay then. I can't then. see mostly, I can't. <laughs> right, and lastly, with all your success, impress the girls or impress the boys? You've got to impress your mates, don't you? Yeah? Yeah. Braves before hose? <laughs> Stu, can you diarise that question? <laughs> and ask it again in two years' time and see what answer you get there. Because the thing well, is... When is he's that... in his leathers, come on, girls, come and have a picture of me. Because the thing is, is that all of... No girls would understand... Most people... There's some people in my school, they don't even know what Formula One is, let alone what go-karting is. Yeah. And then all, most of my mates are into motorsport and stuff. So if yeah. you're good at driving, then you've got to let them know, don't you? Okay. Yeah. On those wise words, listeners... Uh, I think that will finish up. So thank you, Ben, for that fantastic insight into go-karting and your career so far. But we will be uh, checking in with you every once in a while to see how how things are going. So thank you, Ben. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Stu. Thoroughly enjoyed that, folks. So uh, hopefully we'll get some feedback. So get in contact at Sofa Bear Sports. Um, Let us know what you think. Uh, contact via Twitter. We want to be doing more and more podcasts and uh, let us know. Let us know what you want to hear and talk about and listen to us idiots rambling on about. (laughs) So uh, until the next time.